Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 296 of the Spoiler Alert podcast brought to you by MovieOutsiders.com. I'm Danny, and I'm here with Mike, and tonight we'll be discussing the new Christopher Nolan magnum Bond-like opus, Tenet, which may or may not be the biggest movie of the year or not. I don't know. <laughs> may or may not it's or not. It's back in theaters <laughs> yeah. somewhere, maybe not near you. I don't know. Depending on where you live. Who knows? Right. Who knows? There's right. no way to tell. Right. Uh, but that's what we're talking about. Sort of a surprise. We weren't this is one of our best to... intros ever. This one was great. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're keeping all this. This is all the good <laughs> this stuff. This is staying in. Yeah. yeah. People love it when I'm just vamp and I, I'm not prepared and I can just go on and on. Anyway, right. we want to talk about Tenet. I'm very excited. But first, we've had some breaking news this week. Uh, when the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, the group behind the Oscars, uh, released a new set of rules, which will be phased in over the next few years, as I understand it, for films that wish to be considered eligible for the Best Picture Academy Award, they are, there's now a multi-point test that they must kind of qualify through. a rubric through. out there, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a rubric, good, good way to put it. Um, where you sort of go through and you have to meet two of the four and there's different ways to meet each of them regarding inclusion and representation of previously underrepresented groups in Hollywood. So whether it's, uh, you know, racial and ethnic minorities, uh, people with different abilities, LGBTQ um, uh, personnel, either in front of the camera, behind the camera, topics. Uh, so, you know, there's a pretty complex set of rules, but the idea here is the the Oscars trying to move Hollywood to really to kind of force them to embrace more inclusion if you want to be nominated for Best Picture. Mike, what do you think about the changes and what this means for Careful. the Oscars Careful. and for the Best Picture choosing machine going forward? Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I do find it – so I guess I find it interesting that these rules are being implemented as, as recent Best Picture winners like – Parasite and Moonlight took the top prize. I mean, not just nominated, but but took top prize. I guess I also feel like the move to be more inclusive within the Academy membership itself several years ago has had a pretty significant impact to, you know, I mean, certainly not undo years of problems, but at least maybe turn the corner a bit in in what had been, you know, a, a hashtag moment several years ago for, for sure. the Oscar ceremony. <laughs> I mean, admittedly, reading through this rubric, it, it got confusing to me. And it, it was a little bit repetitive, too. I mean, there's there's certain criteria such that the subject matter must cover certain topics may cover may cover it's one of the different ways you could be eligible one of the different other ways that you could be eligible with making up an acting cast of minority or underrepresented groups or even people in technical roles behind the camera or or other areas as well so um yeah so i guess subject matter is just just one way i mean i guess i wonder is the intent to try and make more movies of different subject matter or is it just to make sure that we don't have another hashtag year on our hand for the academy in a couple years like what is what is the ultimate goal of this i think that the the statement the press release 
left it a little wishy-washy. I mean, very detailed yeah. in the rubric, a little, a little confusing as to what the ultimate end game was here. Yeah. Well, I haven't. I, so I read the, the press release as well. I haven't been able to really gauge what the sort of broader response has been. I don't know if you have. You know, the academy has a habit of sort of making sort of bold proclamations and then walking them back. I mean, I, I think it was just in the last year they announced they were going to have two, two best, best pictures, pictures, right? Yes. Best picture and then like best popular picture or something. And so that immediately kind of got swallowed back. What like, would win that mind, this year? Like, what could even win that this year? Birds of Prey and it would the emancipation of one Harley Quinn. I told you, we've already seen the best picture winner. Um, but I, I, I think you know, there, there's certainly a goal to, to, I think, see more representation on screen, but also a deep desire to enhance the representation behind the camera uh, through the different technical and uh, artistic sort of craft uh, craft teams that go into making a picture even down to like you can establish like a training program or like an internship or you know help build a pipeline of future talent on your picture so even if the topic has you know is about four white old guys sitting in a room for two hours you could still qualify if you've got these other things in place so there's a fairly broad spectrum of of opportunities i guess for films to be considered and it's only and for one only award for, right only it's for best, only picture. For best right, picture exactly yeah. yeah right so you know th- there are certainly other opportunities for films that don't meet whatever the rubric says uh to still be well lauded um i, I guess i read one article that someone said it'd be kind of weird to to win 10 out of 11 academy awards and just not best picture because it was just a bunch of white sure guys. yeah so yeah, yeah couldn't get it done so there probably will be more. Can you imagine like Titanic winning everything except best picture? Like, because it was just, a story I can't of imagine a, that. A bunch of I'm white not people. a Titanic fan. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, bad technical, example. Technical Marvel, but eh, I don't know. If that's bad example. Yeah. Especially that year. Well, we'll get to it. We haven't got there yet. With the best picture choosing machine. Um, so let's, but so I, we'll see more of what the Academy does and how they follow through on this. I mean, it's possible they walk this back in some form or fashion or continue to evolve it over the next couple, uh, months as we get closer and closer. <laughs> I love that. I love that you get to the point of putting out a press release, but then you've got to like evolve it afterwards. Like, why right. did you bother with this? Like, should, shouldn't this have been workshopped a little bit before? I mean, they've done it a bunch of times. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I, this one feels pretty well thought through. Um, there's a rubric. Yeah. We'll see. There's a rubric. We'll see. <laughs> All right. So we're here tonight to talk about Tenet, uh, which I'll give a quick plot recap for. But I, I guess the other exciting thing is this is the first movie that I saw in the theaters, I think, since either late February or early March. So it was a solid, what, seven months almost. Yeah. yeah. Uh, six months. Uh, it was definitely it was definitely March that uh, I think our little our last trifecta was Invisible Man and Onward and um, Birds, of and Birds of Prey. Yeah, like the yeah. the last few movies I saw in theaters, and that was yeah. I think I think through March maybe yeah that was it. So yeah, uh, so you went and saw it in a theater. I think you said you were the only. Individual I was all the alone. I yeah. was the only person in the auditorium. It was it was a little weird. How about you? At the Marcus Theater where I saw it, they sold tickets. You, you could purchase two tickets together. So I guess if you're going with a family, you weren't going to be sitting together. They were only right. selling two. They were only selling them in pairs, and they were selling them um, spread out throughout the theater. I think to a max of maybe ten. So it was one of the stadium seating, like large ultra screen at a Marcus Theater. 
that I think they sold 10 seats for or attempted to sell 10 seats for. I don't know if they sold all 10 seats for the showing I saw it at. I know that I saw somebody else in the theater. They were far away from me, uh, but I couldn't tell how many were actually sure. in the theater. I could just tell that when I was picking that there were only going to be 10 sold in, at that showing. Sure. And it seemed to be the case. I, I looked at different times. I looked at different theaters. I looked at different days. Same same story all around. So there were Did a couple of I wore a mask like when I walked in. I wore a mask when I ran to the restroom. I wore a mask at concessions. I didn't while I was sitting in the theater. Got it. Yeah. I wore, I wore a mask in the theater all by myself for two and a half hours. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, just because that was the rule. So I'm a rule follower. And I thought it was really interesting because I also saw it as a Marcus Theater, a uh, different one than you did, but here in Wisconsin. And I think they really clearly were trying to get the theaters cleaned up and, you know, kind of get things squared away so people could, could remain distant. Although I will say at least the theater I went to probably could have spent some of those six months, like sprucing up the outside of the building, (laughs) maybe give it a power wash, maybe uh, plant some shrubs. Yeah. Or just clean up all the dead grass and stuff (laughs) and like dead, dead trees they have. So it it looked like the building was going to be condemned, but inside they had tried to spruce it up. And in the theater I was in, they actually had a big, giant piece of tape yes, that went all the exactly, way across. It's yes. like sanitized for your yes. use. But I was the only person in the whole row. And so, like, I tore the tape to sit down. But I'm sure some high school kid had to come in after me and <laughs> clean my clean chair and then run a whole other piece of tape. It just seemed, like, really wasteful. It, so at the theater I saw that, they didn't run the tape the entire length of the aisle. They just... They took the two seats that were the seats that they sold and spread the tape across those two tables. So you oh, had to okay. remove it just to move one of the tables and sit down. And, it. and and my thought was, like, now you're making me touch something. Like, now I have to touch this, like, this sticky tape that like, supposedly well, COVID, means COVID was, just sticks to tape. We right. all know this. This is fact. <laughs> it sticks to everything. I would think it sticks to tape more. Right. I mean, it's it's it's. COVID attracting tape. That's what it is. <laughs> well, they don't want it anywhere else in the auditorium. Right. Anyway, it, it was a little weird. Now, I love seeing movies by myself. Like, in a normal non-COVID, pre-COVID world, this would have been, like, the best day of my life because I would have gone in and be like, sweet, I got the theater to myself. Yes. Because I love going to movies. I love sitting in the theater. I love the sound and the size of the screen. And when I'm in a theater, I can totally dial in, right? Like, I don't look at my phone. You know, the phone's not ringing. I'm not getting bothered. The dog doesn't have to go outside, whatever. I can just focus on the movie and I don't mind watching it by myself. This one just felt weird, but I also don't think I would have felt great if there were a couple other people in the theater with me. So it just was like a weird mix of like, I'd love to say let's go again, but kind of want to be the only person in the theater, which is not economically viable for any of them. I, I was can't utter- just sell one ticket per per movie per I show. Was, I was utterly confused because I guess, I, like, even doing the math, I'm thinking, okay, 10 seats times X showings times X theaters, but you've got to pay the people to clean. They had, like, one or two people working concessions, but not many people buying them. One person looking at tickets as you came in the door. There's got to be at least somebody who's starting the projector, right? So I guess at the end of it, I was just thinking... Even if all of these seats had sold for all of these showings today, could they possibly have recouped enough to keep the lights on, run the air conditioning, right. do whatever? Right. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, don't know the, either. The bar there was closed at this theater. And I would think 
that's probably where you're making a crap ton of the money yes. for the day. Fourteen dollars for a right, you know, a, a martini or something in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it was it was an odd experience. I've also um, heard peripherally from some friends who were actually considering seeing it that some articles came out after, afterwards from like some Hollywood sources saying we'd advise you not going to theaters to see this movie. Like not Tenet specifically, but I'm not certain theaters are the thing you want to go to yet. So as somebody who's already been to like the gym and the grocery store, got a massage the other day. Like I guess to me it was like, eh, a, a theater, like what, what difference does it make at this point? I went to Staples. I went to Menards. Like, well, if you can survive Staples, I guess you're <laughs> you're ready for anything. But Correct. I'm sure it'll be different for all our listeners, depending on where you live, depending on how of things course. are shaking out in your community and your theaters. And and of course, we we would just want everyone to be safe. And I'm sure so would the, the filmmakers here. But Chris Nolan is a real fanatic about the theater going experience, about about shooting on film. He is not a filmmaker that would have been okay just releasing his film digitally right this is not a movie come hell or high water that would ever have just gone to like itunes first so you know the film made about 20 million dollars in its opening weekend which is the highest post-covid debut but you know in a in a normal world i would think this movie probably would have been tracking for 50 to 70 million dollars somewhere in there just on his name and some of the star power um what so was the original? It, what was the original uh, date that it was planned for? Was it May? Uh, I honestly don't remember like now. Probably beginning of summer blockbuster. Probably, season. and okay. then it was gonna. Then it was June. Then it was July. Then it was August. So we just kind of kicked a few yeah. times. But, but here we go. Tenet is um, the story of a nameless protagonist who joins an unknown organization to fight a mysterious cadre <laughs> of faceless antagonists in a twisted convoluted plot which performs a temporal pincer movement and by that I mean it moves both forward and backwards towards the beginning and the end and that's Tenet Mike what did you think of it? I was so hoping you were going to explain this movie to me I certainly didn't hate it I don't even say I disliked it I was was so confused by it Um, like it's the sort of movie that I feel like have you ever seen like a movie that like is cut and edited so weird that like you you kind of learn something new every time you watch it? For me, one of those movies that I really enjoyed was JFK. It was really long, but but exciting yet confusing. And I, I guess I felt like I benefited from multiple rewatches of the movie to try and yeah. piece all the cast of characters together. I feel like this one might benefit from repeated viewings, but I think that it was it was such a head scratcher almost headache inducing that I don't know that I care to rewatch it and actually have that benefit quite honestly so that that's my take on Tenet how about you yeah so I'm a big Chris Nolan fan uh almost all of his work I really enjoy um and this was really kind of billed as his James Bond movie right like he's he's basically come out and said like He's probably never going to get to make a Bond movie, so this is like his take on it. And to me, it felt almost like like if Shane Carruth, the filmmaker behind <laughs> Upstream Color, tried to make a Bond movie or like made a movie that that they were kind of using as their like resume builder to get to earn the right to make a Bond movie. That's what this felt like. It felt like 
a filmmaker who is hell-bent on being frustratingly confusing, kind of for no reason, but has the chops to do an amazing Bond movie, and they're kind of hoping to earn the right to do that gig. Yeah, yeah. Like, I watched it, and I loved the vibe. I loved the, the style of it, the look of it, the feel of it. It looked cool and rich and exciting, and there were some really neat set pieces and action scenes. But it was, it was, it felt purposefully confusing, like to the point where in my notes I read through them about ten times. I just wrote, "I think people will hate this movie because it's yeah. so confusing," yeah. and because unlike some of Nolan's other work, like Memento or Inception, which have convoluted plots there's no emotional center in this movie in inception right you're following leonardo dicaprio's character his character of Cobb, who's trying to get back to his kids he's got his dead wife chasing him down in dreams so there's all this emotion and and family drama and in fact the the villain in that movie or the the big heist they're trying to do in inception is they're trying to implant the memory or the idea in a guy's head that his father hated him, may have actually loved him and respected him and wanted him to be his own man. Yeah. Like, that's the... It's like a hopeful thought. Like, they're actually improving this guy's relationship with his dead father. So, like, there's a real soul to that movie. And this has none of that. Right. There is, like, no emotional core. There's no one really to kind of root for. The, the, the protagonist is the main character's name, he is interesting, I guess, to watch and look at, but I don't really know why he's doing this other than, I guess, the world's at stake. Which I, could, I never, seems- I could never figure that out either. Like, I mean, that's like, that was the really the only premise I'd read in advance of the movie is like, he's trying to somehow prevent World War Three, but I never in two and a half hours got what exactly would, would happen if he didn't do something back in time or in the future. Like, I don't know. Yeah. So we can't spoil much about this movie because it's so confusing and to hear too many of the individual parts, A, it's it's not going to spoil it for you, but it's not going to help you make sense of it. I do think this is a movie worth seeing, but I feel like it's worth coming with kind of low expectations. And and in fact, one of the characters actually says when when they're describing some of the the convoluted plot elements, they actually tell somebody, don't think about it, just feel it. I mean, it's like one of the lines of dialogue is basically don't try to understand this because you're not going to understand this. And I thought that was a little frustrating because most of Chris Nolan's other films, I feel like I can follow and I can understand. I understand where other people, especially if you're not 100% dialed in, can get lost. But this one doesn't even – there's no hope. I mean, it is just – I can't imagine anyone following this and feeling like confident that they're get, getting what's going on. Yeah, I mean, I've read some reviews about how this is this is like a, a good movie for deep thinkers, and I'm thinking like bullshit. Show me the person who walked away like with a a solid understanding of it. Like, right. I mean, this is this is just mysterious forwards and backwards. I, I will I will say though, I, I was never bored. Like, I mean, the it, it right. is action packed. It's a long movie that I never. I never was checking my watch. Like, if anything else, I, I wish they'd slow down a little bit so I could. It, it would have benefited maybe from a pause, a pause button at certain times to be like, okay, what what just happened there? Yeah, and some exposition. And that's you know one of the the first scenes. 
uh, it has this like a slam bang opening, like just an awesome action movie opening sequence where I was like, wow, I am all in. This thing's going to be freaking great. And then the main character wakes up elsewhere and he's kind of being reassigned to this group, this mysterious organization that may or may not have enemies, which may or may not exist on our temporal plane. And I just wrote down like, boy, I could really use some like old school James Bond exposition. Like I need, I need someone to clearly and coherently explain what, like what's going on. What's the objective? Who are the bad guys? Because everything from then on, you're sort of left. Like you kind of get a sense of who the bad guy is. Kenneth Branagh plays the bad guy. And he is about as bad a bad guy as you're going to get. But what? What does he want? Yeah. What is he doing? Why is he doing it? What is his plan? What, who why is, is he, he so mean with? to his wife? Yeah. Oh my gosh. He's so mean. Yeah. And why is he Russian? Why is Kenneth, this the second movie that Kenneth Branagh has done where he's the big bad guy and he's playing a Russian? Oh, what's the, what's the other? I didn't. He was in the Jack Ryan sequel or oh, prequel with Chris okay. Pine years All ago right. that Sorry. didn't go well. But, like, why do we need him to play a Russian? I'm sure there are Russian actors. I mean, the Academy just issued this whole thing about representation. <laughs> what about Russian actors getting their chance without Kenneth Branagh steamrolling them over in the uh, auditioning <laughs> process? Right. I don't know. So cool look, great costumes, great sets, great locations. The protagonist, I liked him enough. I I thought he was interesting. I I thought I liked his acting. Yeah. And and actually Robert Pattinson is in this movie. He's in Twilight. He's going to be the new Batman. And actually within seconds, I wrote, this is already his best role. For sure. Like I already, I already liked his character. I was interested. He was really charismatic but he was also mysterious and you also don't get a sense of like who he is and who he works for and why he's there. And we turn out that he knows, but he doesn't, he can't tell that he knows yeah. and he knows some of what's going to happen, but he doesn't understand what's already happened. But <laughs> so is he, is he from the future? I, I don't, it was so confusing. And ultimately I just think it's really, it's kind of maddening. Like, like I got angry and I thought other people will be angry as they yeah. watch this. Yeah. And that's not good. Right. So, I don't know. Tuffy. Yeah. I guess I can't even rattle off more things that I liked or disliked. I think we've kind of covered it all in one fell swoop. I don't even have a lot of what's up with because I feel like every line of dialogue, every backtrack in time, moving backwards, but then they can move forwards. Like, I don't get slow-mo, like, what was happening all of the time. I guess what I would say is... What's up with this being like a Chris Nolan screenplay that he supposedly has been tinkering with for like the better part of a decade? Yeah. Like, like you're spit shining this thing and this is how it comes out. And I, I also feel like, you know, what's up with the delayed release after delayed release after delayed release? Like if this one had just gone to Hulu in June, would we have thought like, oh, cool, good movie. Like instead we waited forever and saw it in a theater and you're sort of like, eee. Yeah, no, I I mean, I do think it's a bit of a victim here in that it kept getting pushed. And because Chris Nolan is so fanatical about the theater going experience, I feel like Hollywood was really like, all right, if anyone can save the summer blockbuster season, it's going to be this movie. It's going to be Chris Nolan. And that's a lot of pressure to put on any movie. It sure is. You know, but this isn't the Avengers. Right. This is, to your point, this is an original 
just very confusing movie. And, and yeah, it needed some more work and it just needed some more time or something. Cause it is, it is just frustrating. And I, you know, now at least kind of benefits in that like I had $20 million opening weekend that's seen as kind of a win for COVID. But I wonder how this would have done, you know, if people would have gone out and seen it and then like the box office just would have like sunk the next weekend when people start coming telling their friends, like, you can't even follow this freaking thing. Yeah. I will also, real quick, I will say, I believe enough in Chris Nolan that I will wager that if college kids sit down and watch this thing 25 times and diagram it all out, I will bet it it's watertight. I just feel like he's thought it through. The Mobius strip of the whole thing will 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 work if you want to sit and think about it. Yeah. But without any sort of emotional heart, why would I sit and think about it and watch it 25 times? Like, I just think that it's like a technocratic exercise that who's got time for that? Agreed. Yeah. I will say what's up with Michael Caine is in this movie briefly, as he is in many Christopher Nolan's right. films. But what is up with his voice or teeth? Is Michael Caine like this close to death? Where like, is his is some did something happen to his mouth? I could his voice sounds different, his accent sounds different, or maybe he just had like dental work, <laughs> but it did not sound look, like Michael Caine. No, it did not. And and like, what's up with that? The greatest part about Michael Caine is his voice, yes. right? Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, his soothing kind of pleasing voice, even when he's delivering bad news, you kind of just want to keep hearing it. Yeah. Not like this. Sounds yeah. like he had like a like a bridge in his mouth was like rolling around in there while he was talking. Right. What's up with when you go backwards in time, you move backwards, and you also need to bring your own oxygen? Why? But, Wait, what's up with that? But things fall up, and when you blow up, you actually freeze instead of burn. And <laughs> what? That's... The, the, the rules bringing here the oxygen were, that was a little little reminiscent of blue velvet like it, yes, it's what it kept reminding yeah, it, me of yeah it yeah. seemed like just an excuse to get them to wear weird gas masks yes yes like just to look weird because they did look weird yeah and look kind of freaky but that was that was what's up with yeah what, what's up with for sure yeah buddy are you ready for five questions i am as long as none of them ask me to explain the film <laughs> to the person asking the question that is fantastic question number one do you have clue what's going on in this movie (laughs) no i mean i I wish i could say i did and i was really focused like like laser focused on it because i wanted to get it but i couldn't get it and i just kept getting distracted by how confusing it was clearly being agreed agreed Despite the two-and-a-half-hour runtime, should the movie have gone more in-depth about the science behind being inverted? No. Okay. That, that wouldn't no, have helped you at all? I didn't need more science. I didn't need more of the physics as to, like, the reverse entropy or whatever they're talking about. I needed a reason to care about any of this that was a little bit closer to home than the world will end, right. we think. Right. Maybe. Right. Okay. That, which brings us to our third question. If you were to go back in time to stop a catastrophic event from the past, what would it be? Oh, um, boy, so many to choose from. Yeah. And if you 
choose any of them over any of them, you're like the worst. <laughs> you got to be careful with your answer because you're going to say something that makes a lot of sense. But like so many people be like, I can't believe yeah. you didn't pick this. Yeah. Because this is a movie podcast and because we are slowly seeing every best picture winner ever, I'm either going to say that I would just stop Crash from winning <laughs> or I'll say that I would prevent the, the big mix up a few years ago when Moonlight won, <laughs> but La La Land was read first. All right. I would, because that was catastrophic. So, not, <laughs> I just say neither of those utterly catastrophic, but, but, but appropriate for the subject matter of our. Because what else are you going to say? I mean, you're like, I'm, you're going to stop the Holocaust, or you're going to stop, you know, like Pearl the invention Harbor, of nuclear gonna, weapons. Yes, or, yeah, right, yes, right, yes. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah, of course. So, like, all of those, but, but. I'll just stop Moonlight from not getting its due right up front. Got it. All right. Fair. That was a catastrophe. I like it. Yes. Um, given the ethnicity of the protagonist, is this a shoe in for next year's best picture? No. Okay. And final question. We've touched on this already, but uh, maybe a quick, a quick sum up of it. Was this movie worth it as your first back to theater experience? Uh, it was, I will give it that, in my opinion, because I think Christopher Nolan does care so much. And there's clearly, again, a lot of quality in this film, from the sound design to the look of it to the special effects. I mean, this is not some slapdash, everything's CGI, you know, is written by it's not like committee. a Michael Bay movie or something. Yeah, 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 it's not cheap and easy and quick and sleazy or something. It's... It's a lot of love and a lot of effort went into this by people who really want to do their best and create something really incredible. They just it just lost it somewhere along the way for me or the you know the good parts kind of got cut out or I mean, something. I mean like it, it almost feels like you'd benefit from like a a C plus return to theater experience, like like another Fast and Furious or something like oh, that. No, where... no. <laughs> but you know like the 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 new Wonder Woman movie is coming out. Wonder Woman 1984. Yeah. And, you know, maybe something like that. There's like a big popcorn movie where you can just sit back. It doesn't take like a master's degree to sort of follow along. And you can just enjoy it and see it on something like, I, I don't want to see that movie on my phone. Right, right. You know, I wouldn't have wanted to see, I would not have wanted to see Tenet on my phone or right. on a, an iPad or something. Like, it deserves the big screen experience, I think. Yeah, fair. Uh, I, I think yeah. that that's a great summary. And and nice to be back in theaters. You know, I went to one. It was a Marcus. It was a little rough looking in there. <laughs> like, I mean, like you said, they could have spruced up the outside of the building it's just weird to see like all the chairs stacked in front of like the entrance to the bar area, like to, and the lights off to clearly indicate don't come here. It's weird to yeah. see fourteen registers at the concession stand with one person working one register, and that's all yeah. that they needed. It's it's weird to not you know have the box office lady and then the ticket checker and then the usher yeah. and then like what like is you know it's it's a skeleton crew. It just it felt almost eerie. I wonder. You know, I wonder if Alamo Drafthouse has figured this out just a bit better or, you know, what it, what an experience there would have been like or flicks, what it would have been like to go back into flicks yeah. and see this. Yeah. Yeah. So last question for me. Will you go back? Um, yeah. Like, I think that I would. I, I just want to try a different theater. And it's, you know, it it was great to be 
back in front of a big screen again. As as much as I've enjoyed some of the straight to streaming platform videos that we've reviewed yeah. over the course of the summer, uh, it, it felt good to be back in a theater. I wish it were a little bit more of the communal experience that I've enjoyed in the past. And I'll try a different theater next time. Well, coming up next, we've got another one of those um, streaming films. We've got the new one from Charlie Kaufman, direct to Netflix. I think it's called I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Thanks for listening to the Spoiler Alert podcast. Please visit us online at movieoutsiders.com, where you can see what films we'll be discussing next, comment on our recent episodes, suggest movies to review or topics to discuss, or submit questions for the five questions segment of the podcast. Stop by and visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash movieoutsiders, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at movieoutsiders. If you're a fan of the show, we'd really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast subscription service you use. We'll be back again next week with another episode, but until then, enjoy the movies.